Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 40, Friday afternoon, April 5th, 2019, and this is your official Doggy Juice Final Four Quick Pod preview episode. I'm actually coming to you live, a little janky podcast set up here. I'm, I'm out in the Chicago suburbs, but in this episode, I'm going to quickly dive into a quick legal update here in the state of Illinois on the sports betting legalization process, and then I'll quickly touch on betting philosophies towards hedging, because I think that's very topical right now as um, college basketball, we're at the twilight of the season there, and then NBA and NHL playoffs are about to heat up and begin, so it's a really good time to talk about hedging and sports betting philosophies related to that. And then I'll conclude the pod with a preview of tomorrow's Final Four. We've got two really good games on the slate, so let's begin. Let's start with a quick legal update. So on last week's pod, I touched on Illinois sports betting legalization and what's going on with that. Obviously, I'm committed to doing that because I'm based in Chicago and I'm taking a very active interest on developments there. And listen back to last week's episode because I touched in on the four different options right now that Illinois is looking at um, with regards to sports betting legalization. There was actually a shell bill filed by Representative Mike Zalewski quite a while ago, and now um, four amendments were filed by Zalewski that basically give Illinois lawmakers uh, four different very distinct avenues that they can take. Those are modeled after other states, the way they're doing it. And we actually saw last week a Fifth Amendment uh, get filed. I'm going to touch on that in a moment here. But um, I also referenced last week on the podcast that there was a hearing that was canceled, sports betting informational hearing. That hearing actually ended up happening last Thursday down in Springfield. It was more for informational purposes only, but it did get heated from what I've heard. Um, There's a lot of competing interests at play right now from uh, casinos to racetracks to existing um, operators in other other states like FanDuel and DraftKings. And there was actually a Fifth Amendment that was filed that was very unique and that does not exist in other states that basically tries to essentially squeeze out FanDuel and DraftKings with a bad actor clause that basically um, prevents... Companies that like like FanDuel and DraftKings from entering the space in Illinois because they were conflicting with other states' laws and their fantasy sports offerings, and it makes sense because this is obviously being pushed by existing casinos and racetracks in Illinois who are worried that DraftKings and FanDuel, with their existing customer base and, and fantasy sports, they're just going to dominate the market immediately once Illinois goes live. And they'll, you know, there's been projections saying that like they'll get 85 to 90 percent of the market right away with their mobile offerings, and that may be true. It's a very interesting development. We haven't really seen anything like that Fifth Amendment that was filed before with the bad actor clause, but it's interesting. It's something worth considering. This week, Illinois lawmakers are taking a work week to consider all of the options. So this is like a pivotal, critical juncture right now in my home state. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but. The goal is to have a bill on Governor Pritzker's desk by the end of next month, and I think everyone could at least agree that uh, it's very probable that sports betting will be legal here in Illinois by the time football season begins this year. I, I expect it to be this summer, something, something like June, July. We'll see how quickly, 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 quickly it. But right now they're considering which route to take and which model to ad- adopt. 
and what the taxing structure is going to look like. In my opinion, I think the taxing structure that they're looking at is way too overburdensome. You have way lower rates in other states. And I've gone on record, and I think a lot of other people agree with this, that having a higher tax rate is only going to force more action towards the black market and offshore websites. And when the goal is to bring in state revenue, um, the goal should be to drive as much action as they can to legitimate, regulated, legal operators in order to keep that action away from the black market and offshore websites. But if these tax rates are overburdensome, it's going to force their hand. So that's something to consider, something to look at. And I strongly encourage you to talk to Illinois lawmaker that you might know to to educate them on this process and um, at least understand the what's at stake here, because there is a lot at stake here in Illinois. And um, I will obviously keep you all updated as this continues to develop. Next week, there's going to be more discussions, and I think we're really going to see some some uh, progress here. But there's a lot of interest at play. In typical Illinois fashion, it's really difficult to balance those interests, especially when you consider their, you know, their city versus downstate interests. There's racetrack versus casino interests. Um, there's a lot of competing forces at play here. So something to consider as we move forward. I will keep you all posted and updated. And and like always, I've always said, follow Legal Sports Report on Twitter. There's other really good sources, but they have breaking news information on legal developments in every state, not just Illinois. So something to to check out and uh, and keep monitoring because this is going to affect all of us that are interested in this space. And right now really is the rush to market for a lot of states and companies, but getting the law right is quintessential and I'm, I'm really worried that my home state's not going to do that, but I'm very hopeful that they can get it done the right way here in the next several weeks. Um, but that'll be it. I will keep you all posted. I think this is going to be a weekly thing now where I'm just touching on the progress here in the state of Illinois because it's so topical and everything's really unfolding before, uh, before our eyes right now. But let's get in now to what we really want to talk about here, and that's making money. And I want to touch on the very interesting topic of hedging in sports betting. Hello! All right, so like I said at the beginning, I think this is a perfect time to bring up the topic of hedging um, with the Final Four this weekend and with NBA and NHL playoffs right around the corner. There's always been a hot debate within the gambling community when it comes to hedging. Reasonable people on both sides feel very strongly about it. Some guys take the stance that, You should always lock in a profit no matter what, knowing how difficult it is to win in this game that we call sports betting. Um, But other guys insist on just letting it ride no matter what. So where is where do I stand on this? What is the doggy juice theory on hedging? Harkening back to the very original episode, episode one of the Doggy Juice Pod that I released at the beginning of last September. Um, the Doggy Juice Sports Betting Ten Commandments. My philosophy there is only to bet whenever you make any bet, um, when that individual bet is plus EV, positive EV, on its very own in a vacuum. But there are exceptions to this. So naturally it follows that hedging is a bad long-term move if you're going to be doing it without um, plus EV. But there are exceptions. Life-changing money. Did you make the bet initially with the intention to hedge later on? Other considerations like that come into play. So there really is no right answer to this. If you're dealing with money that is just life-changing money, then obviously you want to try and hedge if you can. It's also difficult hedging if they're dealing with that type of money to come up with the, the hedge money. So there's other considerations there. For me, though, I really don't like to hedge at all unless, like like I said, the 
the hedge is plus EV on the other side. So um, this is actually coming into play for me this weekend. Um, at the beginning of the season, I, I gave out some futures that I was on, and, and I actually got Texas Tech at 45 to 1 back at the beginning of January. They opened around 200 to 1, 150 to 1. And most places, a lot of people thought that, you know, with losing some players last year from the Elite Eight team, Chris Beard would have a tough time bringing this team back to the level that they were at last year. And many pundits had Texas Tech at the bottom of the Big 12 at the beginning of the year. I didn't think they'd be that bad, but I didn't get down on the, the preseason price. But once it became apparent that this team was the real deal, according to my power ratings too, um, I was able to, to get down at 45-1 to 1 on Texas Tech in January, risked a little bit less than a half of a unit on that. And I also have Virginia 18-1 to 1 for smaller um, risked about a little less than a quarter of a unit on that at the beginning of the season. So I'm sitting really good right now with Texas Tech 45 to 1 and Virginia 18 to 1 tickets. But, um, and also along those lines, the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA have been tooting their horns since the beginning of the season. You can listen back to the podcast. Um, I have them at 10 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference, uh, risking over a unit, and the Greek Freak to win the MVP at 5 to 1, which I gave out in the pod last fall. So all of these are are very hedgeable, I guess, for lack of a better term right now at this point in time, because there's clearly equity in these, especially, you know, when you look at the Bucks, they are number one record in all of basketball. They're going to be the one seed in the East. Um, very good value or very good equity on that, um, that 10 to one ticket to win the East. And naturally Greek freak. I think he did wrap up the MVP the other night uh, by dropping, I think it was 45 points against the 76 or so. It looks like he's set. Um, but the only other player who could challenge him for the MVP right now is Harden. We'd have to win the award back-to-back years, which I don't think is going to happen either. So right now there's clearly equity in those tickets. So do I hedge now and lock in a profit? No. My, my theory is I'm not going to do that because I'll just be giving away my equity in a situation where it's not plus EV. So obviously if I'm going to hedge the Texas Tech ticket, I would have to uh, bet on, if I wanted to hedge at this point, I would be betting on Michigan State money line tomorrow, and then if Texas Tech beats Michigan State, I'm giving away that equity, and I'd have to hedge for even more in the championship game. There comes a situation where you're just not winning as much money, and you see the situation too on Twitter. Um, PropSwap is an excellent website for this that was actually designed for this very scenario. People can sell their tickets online, and you see this exist in legal jurisdictions, and I'm looking forward to the company coming to Illinois once it's legalized in Illinois, but um, they allow people to sell their existing tickets, um, and it makes sense because for both sides because they're selling them for prices that you can't get on the marketplace. So right now, you know, people have a Texas one guy's a Texas Tech uh, ticket listed on there for a large amount of money, and he's trying to sell it obviously for a, a good profit right now. But whoever would want to buy it would be getting better odds than they'd be getting in the in the futures market in the first place. So it actually works out for both parties, and that's why PropSwap is such an excellent website for that. But in this scenario, when prop swap is not part of the equation, and if it's difficult to get the money on prop swap, you know, to, to actually fork over the money, the only thing I could really do here is sit on it or hedge. And I'm only going to hedge if I think that the Michigan State bet on its own in a vacuum is a good play. And it's a long-term, you know, if bet you make 100 times, you profit on over, you know, 52.38% of the time to win at minus 110 in the long run. So... That's a consideration, but where I sit right now, and I'm about to go into the games, I don't think that there's value, inherent value on the Michigan State line, so I'm not going to hedge it. If this was life-changing money, it would obviously be a different scenario for me. It's not, so I'm just going to let these tickets ride. Why, I, why treat them in a special way? I think just 
if you mess with the equity, then you're just creating a scenario where you're going to lose in the long term by taking such action. So I'm going to let these ride. It's nicer with the Virginia 18-1 to ticket because they're going to be favored in any game they play the rest of the way, including against Michigan State. Um, so it's you, know, you can win both in that scenario. It's nice to have the favorite um, on the futures because you know I could even take the points with Auburn if I wanted to, and you can win both bets, the hedge bet and keep the Virginia futures ticket alive. But I'm not going to do that either for reasons I'm about to go into. So it's all very interesting to think about. There is no right or wrong answer to hedging. But in my opinion, and I've gone on record from this on this since day one, only hedge when the hedge is a good bet on its own in a vacuum, a plus EV bet. Otherwise, you're just doing yourself a disservice in the long run. The exceptions being if it's life-changing money or if you were intending to hedge in the first place when you made the bet. I think that's the only exceptions I can really come up with here. But um, like I said, no right or wrong reason, and good luck to anybody who does decide to hedge. you got to make the decision that's best for you. But you, especially last point, you especially want to avoid a scenario where you screw yourself over with the hedge. So don't overextend yourself um, if you got a Texas Tech ticket like I do at 45 to 1 or whatever. Don't overextend on the Michigan State hedge play to the point where, you know, if Texas Tech does win, tomorrow, then you're in a scenario where you can lose money either way uh, going into the championship game. you got to really do the math and figure it out. If you have any questions on the math and stuff like that or projected lines, let me know. Feel free to reach out. Um, you can find that information usually pretty available online, but uh, you got to make sure you, you avoid the nightmare scenario of overhedging and costing yourself money regardless. You don't want to do that. So, All right, let's now jump into a quick preview of the games tomorrow. The Doggy Juice official preview of the Final Four. Everybody's ready to go. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go. And you're ready to go. So this is it. Tomorrow is one of my favorite days of the entire sports calendar year as we have the Final Four 2019 edition in Minneapolis. If you're looking for high-scoring, fast-paced action, then this is definitely not your Final Four. But for basketball purists, We're really getting a treat this weekend with some excellent coaches and teams that play very efficient brands of basketball. Uh, Michigan State aside, we really don't even have any big blue blood teams that feature the one-and-dones in this Final Four, which is really uh, something that's refreshing in my opinion. Instead, we have excellent teams that are very well coached, teams that are fun to watch from an efficiency standpoint, and in my opinion, teams that deserve to be there. I mean, obviously it's tough going down the road to get to the final four. Usually you got to survive a couple coin flips. I mean, Auburn, you know, they almost blew that game, the first game against uh, New Mexico State. And obviously we know what happened with Virginia against Purdue. So got to survive some of that stuff to get here. But I really am excited that these four teams are in the final four. Um, Expect these games tomorrow to be very slow moving, methodical, lower scoring. And obviously you can see that from the totals of the games. Not going to see much offensive action. And unless Auburn faces off against Michigan State in the championship game on Monday, then uh, we're going to see a low total on Monday night as well. So um, another thing I really quickly want to touch on before I jump into the individual games is the venue. This game's being played at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. It's a big football stadium. I personally don't like how they have these Final Fours at big football stadiums. It's just not natural for the players. Obviously, they're trying to all worried about the money, increasing revenue, so they want to have it at these big stadiums. But it's just not ideal as a basketball fan. I'm not not a big fan of it. You see pictures of people you know, with their sight lines and what they're looking at you know, up in the the, uh, the peanut gallery, the 300 level and stuff. It's just a shitty viewpoint, and it's just not good for the fan, in my opinion. But that aside, in terms of making money off of this, 
football stadiums where when you play basketball presents issues for shooters. And I've brought this up in a previous podcast, but sight lines for the shooters with the backdrops of the big football stadiums, it does have an effect on their shooting. Um, in terms of long-term data looking at this, I haven't really uncovered anything, but it's pretty well-established that this is a thing. You even hear players talk about it. Um, when you have more of a background, and that background that players are especially not used to, it's just tougher to knock down those shots. And then when you factor in that and couple it with the fact that they're playing in the biggest game of their lives on the biggest stage and they're, you know, the nerves are there, you know, you get a situation where you can see a lot of missed outside shots, especially early on in these games. So something to consider when you're handicapping the total and if you're looking to get involved in the over. Uh, good luck with that. But obviously it depends on, on the line as well. So moving on to the games, the first game, Virginia favored by 5.5 against Auburn. The total on that is 130.5. In this game, we have a total clash of styles. Virginia is number 352 out of 353 teams in average possession length and adjusted tempo. And Auburn, on the other hand, likes to get up and down the court. They like to put up threes. But almost always, when you see a clash of styles like this, the better team is going to be the team that dictates the tempo. But even then, usually the pace favors the slower team. And here, I totally expect the pace to go Virginia's way. Look for Tony Bennett to really get his way in slowing this game down, making Auburn defend for 20 to 25 seconds every possession. And it's just a tough matchup for Auburn here. You're not going to see the lanes for the Auburn guards that you saw them have in the Kentucky game, driving to the basket when they go up against Virginia's pack line defense. And on top of that, you aren't really going to see the Virginia players on defense not contest Auburn's three-pointers like you saw North Carolina do. Virginia's going to make Auburn put up very difficult three-pointers, and with those tough sight lines that I was just talking about, difficult shooting backdrop in the football stadium, it's really going to present problems for the Auburn shooters. So obviously it's only one game, and Auburn can shoot their way to a victory here, as they've done uh, several times this season already, but the only way I can really look in this one is, is on the Virginia side. If this game was played a month or two ago on a neutral, I think Virginia would actually be eight or nine point favorites here. And you have to downgrade Auburn with the loss of Okiki last week. And now the Virginia's had an entire week to game plan for Auburn without Okiki. And, you know, look at tape from the Kentucky game, see how they play without Okiki. I think that just is another leg up for, for uh, Virginia here. And you obviously have to downgrade the Auburn power rating anyway without Okiki in there probably about a point or so, not a big deal. Um, but I think that point is even more at play here uh, because Kentucky, you know, didn't really have much to look at with Auburn playing without Okiki in terms of, um, you know, game tape and stuff. But now Virginia's had an entire week to plan for it. So I have this game lined closer to seven. It's actually between six and a half to seven to be precise. So it's not really enough for me to get involved for a full unit or even a half a position. I probably need, you know, minus three or minus four to get down here. It's especially tough to lay the points in a lower scoring game like this as well it's just hard to get a margin but if this line does creep back up back down to five i may nibble for a little bit at that price at minus 110 minus five um, but like i've always said um, the cheaper money line favorite option could present itself here you see this phenomenon at play in bigger um, bigger events like the super bowl or you know nba playoffs stuff like that where there's a lot more public action. This is in football and basketball, pretty much any sport you can think about. Um, the public loves to generally lay the points with um, with favorites, but on the money lines, 
they like they don't like to lay a big price, so they'll, they'll take the money line price. And you always see a little bit of value sometimes on favorites on the money line of big high profile games like this. And I think tomorrow night we might get a scenario where um, a lot of people, uh, public betters, are going to be driving the money line price down on on uh, Auburn, taking Auburn at the plus price. So you, it'll open up value then on Virginia on the money line. Um, so I think it'll be more worthwhile to take Virginia on the money line tomorrow night versus laying the five, five and a half points with them. So it's something I might look into. Like I said before, I have that Virginia future at 18 to one, but if the Virginia money line is value um, on its own in a vacuum, I'm going to go that route. So that's something I'm going to look at tomorrow, um, getting involved at a certain price on Virginia on the money line, but it should be a good game. I do expect Virginia to win. and This does have blowout potential tomorrow. The second game Michigan State laying two and a half points against Texas Tech. Total on that one's 132 and a half. And this is going to be such a fantastic game between two great coaches and two of the most efficient teams in the country based off a number of metrics. Uh, Texas Tech, I've, I've been saying this for weeks, they are, they are Ken Palm's number one defense and one of the best teams in the Ken Palm era in terms of defensive efficiency. But Sparty's no slouch on defense either. They're number nine on Ken Palm. And defense and offensively, that's where they have the advantage. Sparty is uh, the Ken Palm, they're number five on, in offense on Ken Palm as opposed to number 28 for Texas Tech. And Sparty also has a rebounding edge in this one, um, rebound rate. Um, they're number six in the country versus Texas Tech's in minus, or they're at uh, number 118. Um, nonetheless, though, this is a game that I know Texas Tech can hang in and win. Lots of sharps even have them favored in this one, according to their stuff. Um, on my stuff, I have the line pretty close to what it should be. Uh, slightly into Texas Tech. I have this one closer to one and a half, two, a little, little less than two. So definitely lean Texas Tech, especially if you can find a plus three. And you really got to shop around here because plus three was available. Um, a few days ago, but uh, the sharp money kind of came in on the underdog here, moved it to two and a half. So you might see some price fluctuations. I I think that public does they're fine with laying you know that minus two two and a half with Michigan State. So I think you, there's a good chance we could see some places tick up to three tomorrow, and that I can't blame anyone for taking that price. Um, probably need a little bit more myself to get involved in a lower scoring game. I think that does provide a little bit of value. And like I said earlier, the hedging thing, my 45 to one on Texas Tech. Not going to play back Michigan State for, I mean, not for any significant amount on the money line, just because that's not a good uh, bet on its own in a vacuum, in my opinion. So, value side on this one is Texas Tech. I do lean Texas Tech, and I may even get involved if I can find uh, more of that plus three at minus 110. Also, in terms of the total on this one, taking a hard look at the under, these teams are incredibly efficient on defense, and I think the first half under especially could be worth a look here. Uh, just to take the you know the end game scramble out of the equ- equation, look at the first half under in this one, and also you know the public likes to bet the overs in this one, even when they see you know lower scoring teams involved like this. So if you're going to get involved on the under, I would probably wait to get most of your position down until right before tip off, or at least right before the sharp money also comes in on the under right before tip off. So got to really pick your your spot there, but. In these two games, definitely lean Virginia in the first one and lean Texas Tech in the second one in terms of um, the spread and total coin toss almost the second game straight up in my opinion. But I do, you know, if you ask me to predict it, I'm going to say, you know, Virginia-Michigan State in the championship game, but I think it could easily be Virginia-Texas Tech as well. Either way, those will be good games. Uh, Before I close out, I'm going to give you some quick look-ahead lines and what the championship game lines could be depending on the matchup. 
right now. You can actually get at these lines um, at a lot of different outs, but Virginia would be laying a point against Michigan State if they play Monday night. Virginia would be laying three and a half against Texas Tech. Michigan State would be laying about uh, four, four and a half against Auburn. And if Texas Tech goes up against Auburn, if both underdogs win, then Texas Tech will be about a one and a half point favorite against Auburn. So, of course, big injuries or some outlier results could impact those lines by a point or two or even more points if there's a big player injury, which, of course, we don't want to see. But those are your look headlines for Monday night. Yeah, baby. (laughs) So that'll that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Next week, we will dive into the Masters, one of my favorite sporting events of the entire calendar year. This really is the best time for sports. I mean, I've said it like October into November is great because you really get like every sport going on. But right now, between March Madness, you got the Masters, the playoffs heating up, everything's, you know, baseball season just started. This is my favorite time of year by far. So Masters is one of those those amazing events. So I'm going to look to preview that next week. Uh, tons of, of betting opportunity on the Masters. And like I said, NBA and NHL playoffs are on the horizon. And in upcoming episodes, I'll get the boys that run Cron Harper on Instagram on here to discuss some NFL draft shit and uh, some other stuff along those lines. And I'm also going to look to get the guys over at the Top Class Finish podcast. Shout out to them. Get them on here to discuss some international soccer, namely the Champions League and the title races in some of the major European leagues like the EPL, Serie A in Italy, La Liga in Spain. But until then, as always, follow me on Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram for sports betting-related information and, of course, best bets. I've been posting my against-the-spread leans for every single NCAA tournament game, and if you've been betting those, you've actually been making mint. Uh, 36-27-1 record on all of those games. Uh, that's 57.1% clip. We did split 6-6 six and six on the 12 um, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games, but I did warn everyone that those lines in the later rounds are... We're very sharp and we're basically spot on, you know, so they're coin flips in the first place and they ended up being coin flips, went six and six on those, but a nice record on the on the posted leans. I'm going to post um, tomorrow as well, but I can already tell you that my leaning Virginia laying the points and Texas Tech taking the points, those are what the leans are going to be. So I hope you all enjoy the final four. Good luck on your bets and I will talk to you next week. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>